This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. When my wife was in high school, she worked at Kmart. And one of her jobs at Kmart was to use the price tag gun and put prices on all of the products. And she tells me that she had to do this so often that even today she can remember the sound of the price tag gun. Maybe you are familiar with that sound. Ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. All of us have a price tag gun. We're walking around with one, but we're not holding it in our hands. It's in our heart. And we're not just putting value on, on certain products. We're not just seeing prices on products. We're tempted to put a price tag on different groups of people. And that's really what the book of Jonah is about. It's about our prejudices. It's about how we are all tempted. Uh, Part of our human nature is to classify different people and to put different price tags, different values on different groups of people. That's what the book of Jonah is about. And as we finish up this sermon series called Wanted, we're now on the fourth chapter of Jonah, the last page of this story. And now we get to see what the story is really about. Up until this moment, you might have been familiar with the story of Jonah if you've been here the last three weeks. It's a pretty familiar story because there's a lot of fun action in it, right? You might have been familiar, maybe you've heard of this story about the prophet Jonah who was called by God to go to the city of Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrians. But he ran away. And at first, you don't really know why. I mean, was he a coward? Was he lazy? Was he scared? Was he afraid? You don't know, but he just runs in the opposite direction towards Tarshish. And then God appoints this this storm and it churns up the waters and, and he knows that he's going in. So he goes in the water. And it's kind of an exciting, dramatic story because he doesn't die. In fact, he gets swallowed up by this fish or whale or something and it actually saves him. And he's in the belly of this this sea creature for three days and three nights. He prays to the Lord. The the Lord has this, this fish or whale or whatever vomit him up on shore. And he goes to Nineveh. He gets a second chance and goes to Nineveh and preaches against that city. And the whole city is forgiven. And, and has changed and converted. And if that's all you know, maybe you think the story just ends happily ever after. That's all you've heard. Maybe you think this story is about us overcoming our fears or doing evangelism or how God works in our lives. But that's not really what the story's about. The story's about pointing out our prejudices. The story is really about our, 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 our different views of people, our price tag guns. That's what the story is really about. And we'll see that as we ju- jump into Jonah chapter 4. Uh, as Pastor Bill mentioned, Jonah chapter 3 ended where, where this missionary, Jonah, this man of God, goes and preaches to this corrupt city. And all the people repent and they're, they're changed and they're converted. And it's a huge success story. I mean, you'd expect him to be elated. This should be on like the front page of a Christian magazine, right? It's like the biggest success story in history. You expect him to be so overjoyed. But look at how he responds 
to the conversion and the, 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 the change in these people's hearts. Jonah chapter 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. How could he be angry? How, how could he be angry about, about all these people being converted and changed? What was wrong with Jonah? What, what was he thinking? Well, he goes on to explain. He, he prayed to the Lord because, you know, he's a believer. So he prays. But this is his prayer. Lord, isn't this what I said when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Do you understand what he's saying? God, I'm so sick of you being a compassionate and gracious God. I'm so sick of you being forgiving. I knew you were going to do this. Take my life. You should picture him stomping his way, so angry with God being a loving God. You see, the Ninevites, the Assyrians, they were known for being a wicked and corrupt people. Um, Pastor Bill has mentioned this, some of these things in the past. But, but there, there's also some things that we learn about the Assyrians, the, the Ninevites. Uh, when they would conquer a land, they would stack up all the bodies, even put them out on poles as, as a picture to their enemies. This is what happens when you mess with the Ninevites. This is what happens when you mess with the Assyrians. And so Jonah's saying, these people are too corrupt. There's no way that you should have compassion for these people, God. I'm so sick of you being a compassionate God. I'm so sick of you being a gracious God. Take my life. I can't live in a world like this. I can't bear being in a world where we have a, such a compassionate and gracious God. That's what he's saying. Because you see, Jonah put a price tag on them and, and these people, because of what they'd done, had less of value than he had. He didn't think they deserve mercy and compassion. So the Lord asked him, he says, but the Lord replied, is it right, actually literally, is it good for you to be angry? In your version of good and evil, is it really good for you to be angry? But Jonah doesn't respond. He slams the door. Have you ever been a part of a scene like this, right? <laughs> tell someone it's not right. You tell a teenager that's not right. Slams the door, bam, and walks out of the room. He folds his arms, folds his legs, sits down outside the sea and see if God will change his mind. It's kind of what happens here. Look at verse five. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. He slams the door in God's face, marches out of town, goes up to look at the city of Nineveh. I just imagine him, you know, twisting up in a pretzel, sitting down, uh, being all angry with his, his, his eyebrows down, and, and you know, his whole, whole face just kind of clenched up and saying, God, you better change your mind. You better you know, destroy these people. You better get your act together, God. You better get rid of these people. There's no way you should be this kind of forgiving, compassionate God to these people. He's so angry. He hopes that God's going to go do something, go fix this problem. Well, God was going to do something. But he didn't need to do anything to Nineveh. 
He already saved the Ninevites. He already reached the Ninevites. The person that needed to be reached is Jonah. And that's the, the surprising message of the book of Jonah, that God was actually saving Jonah. That God was actually reaching the people inside of the church, the prophet of God. And that's my question for you. My question for you is, is, is maybe the person that most needs to be reached today is not somebody out there in the community. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's me. Maybe we need to be exposed of our prejudice. Maybe we need to, need to be revealed the price tag gun that we've been walking around in our hearts. So God's going to do something. He's going to talk to, to Jonah. Verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant. That word provided comes up over and over again in the book of Jonah. The Lord provided a wind. The Lord provided a fish. The Lord provides all these things. This time the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. I mean, can you kind of picture this guy's all twisted up like a pretzel, so angry at God that God is not going to blast these Ninevites out of the water. And he's just waiting for God to change his mind, hoping he's huffing and puffing. And then this leaf, this big, this leafy plant grows up and all of a sudden it's a little shady and it gets a little comfort from the cool shade and he starts to relax a little bit. His arms stop being so clenched and shoulders drop. He starts uncrossing his legs and his arms and, and he has a little bit of comfort. He's very pleased, very happy about the plant. Oh, at least I'm in a world where there's a little comfort for, for my difficult life. But at dawn, verse 7, the next day, God provided something else. What did he provide this time? God provided a worm. And I imagine this worm uh, chewing at the bottom of this plant and, and the leaves starting to get brown and withered. He provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided something else. This time God provided a scorching wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head and he grew faint. All of a sudden his world turns upside down. Now, how does Jonah respond? Well, kind of the way he always has been responding throughout this book. He says, uh, he wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. I can't stand living in this world. Um, now I have all this heat coming on me. Now I have such a difficult time. And so God comes and asks him a question. Verse 9. Is it good? Is it right? for you to be angry about the plant? Is this, is this really right? Is this good? In your version of good and evil, um, you, you know, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what that was symbolizing is um, they were taking on this, their own viewpoint of what's good and evil. And, and God is asking him, you're eating from that tree now, Jonah. You're picking your own view of good and evil. Um, is it really good or is it really bad for this plant to be, to be gone? Is it really right for you to be angry about the plant? Is that really good? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. This is not the kind of world I want to live in. 
And so now here's the point where God teaches Jonah. Verse 10. Now I actually picked um, a, a different translation for, for uh, verse 10. There's you know, hundreds of, I think, hundreds of English translations on there. They're all going from the Hebrew or the Greek. Um, and they're all trying to put it into to our language. This is a little bit more literal translation of, of what the Hebrew says. And it really brings out the word compassion. I think it's really important here. The Lord responds to Jonah and says, Jonah, you had compassion on the plant, which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. The Hebrew is chesed. You had this divine compassion, chesed. You had this love for a plant. But you didn't, you didn't plant the plant. You didn't tend the plant, but you had this love for the plant because it gave you a little bit of shade. Now the Lord brings up that same word, compassion. He says, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left, as well as many animals? Somebody asked me in the first service, uh, oh, is that from the... Did they get that from this English idea of not knowing your right hand from your left? I said, no, that phrase comes from the Bible. When you say that, oh, that person doesn't know their right hand from their left, that, that comes from this verse in the Bible. But do you see what he's saying here? Jonah, you had compassion for a plant. I have compassion for people. You didn't create this plant, but I created this people. You didn't tend this plant, but I have been tending this people. I am well aware how corrupt they are, but I love them and I want the best for them. And that really brings us to our first main point, something that, that we see throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, Old Testament and New Testament. Here's a very clear message of scripture. And if you're doing the fill in the blanks, here's the first fill in the blank. God loves all those he has made. God loves every single person that he has made, without exception. No matter what their color is, no matter what their, their lifestyle is, no matter what their orientation is, no matter what their ethnicity is, no matter what their size is, no matter what their income is, no matter how useful they are, God loves everybody that he has made, without exception. And that's what this book is all about, trying to teach Jonah, trying to teach us that God loves everybody that he has made. And if you want that, not in story form, but you want that in a clear verse of the Bible, Psalm 145, verse 9 says it this way. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on the people that look like you? No. He has compassion on people that act like you? No. The people that grew up like you? No. He has compassion on all those he has made. God has compassion on everybody that he has made. 100% of people without exception. And he proved that when he died on the cross for all people. You know, what, what we think is valuable is not necessarily what it says on the price tag. You can put whatever kind of price you want on a product. But we will show that we value something by how much we're willing to pay for it. And the Apostle Peter said it this way, that God bought every single person, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood. And so every single human being, their value is worth the infinite value of the blood of Jesus. 
Now, there's this phrase here at the end of the book where it says that, you know, he says, shouldn't I care for these people who don't know their right hand from their left? Now, there's a lot of different interpretations of that. Some people think, well, is that children who don't know their right hand from their left? That's one interpretation. But, but it also could be God has compassion on these people because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know their right hand from their left. It's a way of saying, you Ninevites, you're caught up in this whole culture. You're surrounded by this pagan, wicked, violent culture. You don't even realize how bad you are. You don't even realize how far you are. I have compassion on these people. They don't know what they're doing. That sounds a lot like our Savior, doesn't it? You remember that scene where he's getting nailed to the cross? The soldiers are nailing him to the cross. They're just doing their job. The crowds are, are, are repeating the words of the religious leaders, mocking Jesus, making fun of Jesus. And Jesus looks at the soldiers and the crowd and everybody doing him wrong. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know their right hand from their left. Now, what I'm wondering is that maybe this morning the people who need to hear that message are not just the people out in our community, but maybe us right here. Maybe God is saying this morning, forgive them. They don't realize how prejudiced they are. Father, forgive them. We don't realize how many price tags we put on different kinds of people. Forgive us. We don't realize how much we're classing people or judging people or comparing people. Father, forgive them. They don't love people like I love them. And here's the good news. God has forgiven us. In Jesus Christ, he has purchased you with his own blood. You are forgiven, loved children of God. And he has placed equal value on all of you in Jesus Christ. Now, what are we going to do about that? How does God want us to live? What is he trying to teach us in this book, this incredible story? I think what he's trying to teach us now is our next point in the fill in the blank. It's love those who God loves. Love who God loves. Love who God loves. Well, who does God love? We already said he loves everybody. What does that mean to love who God loves? How does God teach us that? Well, for Jonah, the way that God taught Jonah to love those who God loves, he told him to go on a trip, to travel. The beginning of the book of Jonah, the opening line of the book of Jonah, God says, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Go to a people who are different than you, who look different than you, believe different than you, sound different than you. Go to those people and I want you to see how much I love people different than you. God is trying to save Jonah by letting him see that God loves everyone he made. I had a similar experience when I was in high school. I grew up in, in Summers, Wisconsin, right next to Kenosha, Wisconsin, right? And, and, and that was about as big as my world was. And I didn't realize that I had, had put different values on people as much as I did. I didn't realize that I had this idea that my culture, my way of life, my values, my church, my ideas were the standard. And everybody else um, should be more like me. I didn't realize how much I put different values on people. I didn't see my own price tag gun until we went on a trip in high school. Our our high school teacher, she took us to Oaxaca, Mexico. And for the first time, I'd been outside the country. And I was around people who looked different than me, talked differently, had a different culture, had a different way of looking at, at the world, different values, different church, different, all these different things. And I was confronted by my own price tag gun. I was confronted with my own prejudice. And I had to 
to think about and believe and see it, that God loves these people as much as he loves me. People are completely different than me. People on the other side of the world. So how could we do that as a church? Well, it'd be kind of fun to take a nice big trip, right? If we all got together and got on a plane and, and went to another part of the, the world and, and really was confronted with, with those biases, but I don't know if that's feasible. But I don't know if we need to travel on the other side of the world. Maybe we just need to go on the other side of the neighborhood. Maybe we just need to go to our neighbor. Maybe we just need to, to see somebody who is different than us and be confronted by our biases and then believe and see that God loves that person as much as he loves us. And so if you're white, go to somebody who's black. If you're old or young, go to somebody who's, if you're old, go to somebody who's young. If you're young, go to somebody who's old. If you're rich, go to somebody who makes less than you do. If you're educated, go to somebody who's uneducated. If you're straight, go to someone who's gay. If you're a Christian, go to somebody who's an atheist. Go to someone different than you and love that person and, and, and sit in this reality that God loves this person as much as he loves you. But what does that look like? And that goes on to our next point. So love who God loves. The next point is love how God loves. And that brings us to a very important topic. The difference between acceptance and affirmation. This is something that our culture is all but lost. It used to be that, that, if, that I could say, I accept you as a human being. I accept you because you are a human being. You, you have dignity and worth. I accept you as a human being. But that doesn't mean I affirm everything that you're doing. It doesn't mean I'm going to support everything you're doing. And that used to be how it is. But today, our culture says that if you accept someone as a human being, you must affirm everything that they're doing, every lifestyle, everything that they're doing. But that's just not, not true. It's not even how we treat ourselves. How do we treat ourselves? You know, um, I accept myself, but I sure don't like everything I'm always doing, right? I accept myself, but I know that I myself need to change. I, there's parts of my life that cannot stay the same. They need to change. They need to improve. Uh, I need to repent of some things. I can accept myself without affirming everything I'm doing. And all God is asking of us is to love our neighbor as ourself. To love people the way we love ourselves. And how do we love ourselves? We accept ourselves even though we don't affirm everything that we're doing. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's why we want to do that even as a whole church. And, and, and we see that, um, especially in the book of Jonah. Um, when God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, he didn't say, go to Nineveh and, tells, and tell them, hey, Nineveh, everything's okay. God loves you anyway. That was not the message that God told Jonah to, to tell the Ninevites. That would not be loving because the people were corrupt. They were going a bad way. They were wicked. So God says, Jonah, I love the people of Nineveh. Go tell them to turn from their wicked ways. That's how God loves people. He loves people enough to want the best for them, to want them to change. And that's why I think a good way to look at the church and the work that God does is calling the church a hospital for sinners. When it comes to a hospital, you come as you are, but you don't stay as you are, right? That'd be a bad hospital if you came in with a broken arm and you left with a broken arm, right? But, but in a hospital, you come as you are, the hospital meets you where you are, and you leave different. 
And that's what it's like when you meet Jesus, when you get into the Christian church, you come as you are, God meets you where you are, but you're not gonna stay as you are because God loves you too much to keep you where you are. He wants you to change. He wants you to grow. He wants you to make changes with his power. So we wanna do that as a church. We want to, to, to reach our community, to meet them where they are. And that's what we're doing in our next sermon series called Starting with Jesus. That starts next week. And we're hoping that, 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 that you realize that, that you love your neighbor enough, you love your friend enough that you will invite them to this sermon series. And it's all designed for people who didn't grow up in the church, who have walked away from the church, who are, who are getting sick of, the, of, of other things and get, they get all mixed up with all the peripheral stuff that they will just learn to start with Jesus to just hear Jesus, to look at Jesus and confront Jesus and find out who Jesus is. Because we know that, that, that God loves our community. He loves people, so he wants us to meet them where they are so they don't stay where they are. I like to end this sermon series and this sermon where the book of Jonah ends. It ends with a question. Kind of strange. Um, the, the book of Jonah ends with a question where the Lord says, uh, shouldn't I have compassion on these 120,000 people who don't know what they're doing and all these animals, question mark? And that's how it ends. We don't hear any response from Jonah. Why is that? Well, maybe the question is not just directed at Jonah. Maybe God is directing the question to you who are inside the church this morning. Maybe God is asking you to to open your eyes, to expose your own price tag guns, to expose the ways that you might value or devalue different types of people. That you would look on your community and see how much God loves your neighbor, the people who are different than you. That God loves all the people that he has made. And here's the surprising message. He wants to use you to reach them. And when he does... He's not just going to save that other people. He uses that whole process to save you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you and ask for your forgiveness. We don't know what we're doing. We can't even see how prejudiced we can be, how much we can put value judgments on different people because they look different or sound different or have a different income or whatever other way we would classify somebody Lord God, forgive us for for devaluing people that you made, people that you saved and bled for. And then, Lord God, give us wisdom now. Give us wisdom to love people how you love them, to not enable bad behavior, but to encourage them to walk with you, to repent, to live a new life. Lord God, lead us into this, this ministry So not only uh, the, the people that we're reaching would see the love of God, but you would show us the love of God, that you would save us as we trust in the gospel. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com dot com.